Welcome to the Hardy Mom Podcast. My mom has tips and tricks to help you live well with health challenges. She'll even tell you how to get your kids to help out. Wait, what? Your health challenge, girl, I get it. Feeling anxious, depressed, don't you sweat it. Hi, I'm you Jen Hardy, collector of eclectic diseases, mom of seven, wife of a veteran, author, podcaster, and community builder. Yes, you heard that right. Go to hardymom.com slash community where you'll find a place just for you to meet other moms with health challenges, find help for your symptoms, and discover parenting strategies created for moms just like us to make our lives run smoothly. Yes, really. Today's episode was actually recorded two years ago at the beginning of the pandemic. I recorded it because I had been homeschooling at that point for 20 years and had some great help for others starting out homeschooling. The information in there is still just as valid today as it was back then. And whether you're continuing your homeschool journey or just starting out, I hope that you'll find many different things in there that can help you. When I re-listened to it, I actually found out that I had forgotten a few of those things and I'm going to re-implement them in my plan. Here we go. I'm Jen Hardy, mom of seven kids, ages eight to 30. I've been homeschooling for 20 years and my youngest is just in second grade. I've homeschooled in four different states. I've been active in several different homeschool groups and I've got lots of chronic health issues. I've learned to make it all work. And I am going to help you homeschool in just seven easy steps. The word homeschool is somewhat of a misnomer because if you think of school with its strict schedule, its teacher's desk in the front, students' desks facing them, bells ringing at certain times, activities before and after with specialized teachers in each subject or grade, you're not going to turn that into something that you can create at home. When I first pulled my kids home, I expected to have a school at home because that's what homeschool is, right? But it's not really. By now, if that's what you've been trying to do and it's worked for you, that's great. I do have one friend who makes that work spectacularly, but she also has nine kids. So if you don't have that many kids and you only have a couple, it can be hard to make that work. So let me give you some pointers on how I've been able to make it work. Just so you know, the four older kids that I've homeschooled, they all got into every college that they applied for. And not to toot my own horn, but I'm really proud of my daughter who is now studying analytics at Johns Hopkins University getting her master's. So I'm here to tell you, you can educate your kids at home with a minimal amount of stress and they can be successful. There's going to be days you laugh there's going to be days you cry. There's going to be days where you all have a meltdown and quit. And that's okay. As long as you get up the next morning and you get going again. So here we go. Step one, relax. You've got your little or big bundles of joy, watching your every move, waiting for you to entertain them, needing you to help educate them. And it seems daunting, but you can do it. There's millions of us who have been homeschooling and we've all made it through and you're going to do it too. But first, you need to just breathe. That's it. Remember, timeouts are just as much for parents, if not more so, as they are for kids. You might need a timeout to take a few breaths. 
You might need a nice bath. You might need a sip of wine or whatever relaxes you and give yourself a little pep talk so that you can get back to it. There's nothing wrong with that. Step two, create your battle plan. Take the books that you've got and find other resources to fill in the gaps. Here's an important note about this. One of the beautiful things about homeschooling is that kids can study the things that interest them. I need you to listen to what they want to learn about and provide some materials about that thing. You've been given a list of things that your kids need to do, and they need to complete that to technically finish out their grade. But get them excited about learning about something. The books that they get at school aren't always exciting. The books that we have to use for homeschooling aren't always exciting, but they might find a passion. Maybe it's butterflies. Maybe it's space. Maybe it's geography. Sounds silly, but one of my kids is super into it, and she did a middle school geography book in kindergarten. Find the thing that they're really into and allow them to pursue that passion because school isn't just about those facts that you learn and forget, right? The, the important thing that I've found is to instill a love of learning in my children, because once they love to learn and they have that passion about learning what they're passionate about, that's what's going to help them get through later in college and in work when they le- need to learn how to learn new things on their own and utilize those in the workforce. So that's the kind of thing that you can really teach them right now. Okay. So talk to the people that you know that are going through the same thing as you're trying to put together this battle plan and find out what they're doing. Don't be afraid to admit you need help because everyone needs help. Even seasoned homeschoolers need help. We all ask each other. So ask some moms who have some experience with homeschool. Ask some moms who are in the exact same place you are. Find out what's what's working. Most moms who have been homeschooling will be happy to share our experiences, but also know, another side note, Many people are very happy with the way that they homeschool and they've done it for a while. And a lot of them will tell you that their way is the only way. I still have people telling me that their way is the only way for me to do it. And they've only been homeschooling for a couple of years and I've been doing it for 20 and it always gives me kind of a giggle. But it isn't true. What works for somebody else isn't always what's going to work for you. What works for me isn't always going to work for you. So I'm not, that's why I'm not telling you styles of homeschooling, just basic things you can use. There are tools you can use to make whatever homeschooling style is yours to work better. Okay. If someone tells you to do something one way and it doesn't work for you, scrap that and do something different and don't feel bad about it. Okay. Take a day or two to find out what your kids like to do and how they learn best. Some kids learn better by listening. Some kids learn better by writing. If they're constantly having to do the thing that doesn't work for them, it's not going to be their best work. For instance, if your child is just given textbooks to read and they just have to read out of the textbook and answer questions, but reading isn't the way that they learn the best, they're not going to do their best work. So it might be better if you read part of it or had them read part of it out loud, or you could find a movie that goes with what they're reading about and they could watch that movie and it could really make the ideas hit home. Find a couple two or three minute videos on YouTube that talk about the subject. Maybe they're studying whales and you can find some whale videos or find a movie on Netflix or Prime Now or wherever you find your stuff. 
and get them excited about the topic because then they're going to want to read more and you're going to drive that love of learning even more. Okay. So there's also a link on the website, on my website for Newman University, N-E-U-M-A-N-N, or you can Google it. They've got a 20 question quiz about learning styles. It's super simple. And once your kid takes that, and you can take it too, I took it, it was interesting. You can find out how they learn best and that will help. Okay. Also, as far as resources go, my go-to place to buy school books is ironically cbd.com. It was a website long before CBD got popular. It stands for Christian Book Distributors, but they have all kinds of books, so many books. Any subject you want to look it up, they have dozens and dozens of textbooks for that thing, workbooks, textbooks, any kind of books, coloring books, art supplies, paper, you name it, you can buy it. And a lot of times they'll have free shipping specials if you sign up for their newsletter or whatever. So I highly recommend that site because they really can help you find anything that you need. Tip three, discover your style. The third way, which is the way I do it, is kind of a combination of both having textbooks for core subjects and create fun learning environments and opportunities to learn the other things that your kids are passionate about. You might find that you spend three hours a day on geography some days because that's your kid's passion. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're getting everything else done because it won't go on forever. Maybe next week they're into cars or trains or trucks or whatever. And let them get excited. And you can be excited for them too. It may not be something that you're excited about, but you can be excited about the fact they're excited about learning. Okay. For example, you can get some historical fiction, some biographies, other literature for the kids to read for history. You can have them draw pictures of the people in the scenery or make other art projects to show off what they've learned. That way they're getting a little bit more of all the learning styles involved and they're likely to remember more. And no matter what approach you take, you can do little things like that throughout the day to, or even once a week to help enhance something. Maybe there's something they're just banging their head against the wall with because it's so boring. And maybe you think it's really boring too, and you don't like how the book is doing it. Well, they're still going to have to answer the questions for the teacher, but you can do something to fill in the blanks and bring the excitement in. Four, your schedule. Make a schedule and enforce the schedule. No matter what your style is, children need to have some sort of schedule. So you can deviate from your plan here and there, but part of what makes school school for the kids is that they know what the plan is. Freeform chaos does work for some families, but honestly, it doesn't work for most. So Khan Academy has a lot of free resources. Oh my goodness, if you need help with math, Khan, K-H-A-N Academy, it's all free. This guy is amazing and he'll teach you and your kids how to do the math. They also have a schedule creator that can help you set up your days. If you're a mom with a chronic illness, you're already struggling to get things done. And in order to educate your child the best of your ability, you need to be honest about when your body's at its best. Are you a morning person or does it take you a few hours for your body to move and your brain to engage? Set up your schedule around how your body usually does its best, then your kids are going to get the best of you and they're going to know what's expected. It is okay if they wake up and have breakfast and play for an hour or two before they do school. Unless your school has told you that's not okay, 
if usually though, if you're doing things in a virtual environment, unless they've got a class that they have to be on, it's all right. Also, your school at home doesn't have to follow the same hours as the kids do in the classroom. It takes a little getting used to, but it's true. Okay. When I pulled my oldest daughter out of school, she was in fifth grade. We were all used to things going a certain way. We really had a hard time changing that up. But once we wrapped our brain around the fact we could do things our own way, it opened up a whole new world. Then we kind of went totally like, no schedule and that didn't work either. So you'll find what works for you. Just be willing to change things up. It's okay to realize something isn't working and do it a different way. Like for me, I'm a late person. So I use a later schedule that works great for myself and my family. That way I don't have to get up earlier than my body can handle and then drag myself through getting people ready. Because if I do that by 11am, I'm done and I have to take a nap. So in my house, my kids aren't even allowed to get out of bed until 8 a.m. So even if they wake up, they can't get up. They can't play or anything. They just have to sit there. So their bodies have been trained to sleep. My kids also need a lot of sleep. So my son goes to bed at eight in the night and gets up at eight in the morning. I realized I'm really lucky that way, but that's just how it is. Um, At eight, my kids eat and they do their morning jobs, which some people call chores, but for us, their jobs. That helps me get things moving. They play a little and then we start at 10. So they've had their time to wake up. They've eaten. They've kind of gotten some of their wiggles out. And then we start school for us. That works well. For you, it might not. For you, you might want to start school at seven in the morning and whatever works, that's great. So when the kids start getting really fidgety or they lose their focus, we take little exercise breaks for a few minutes so they can move their bodies and then we get back to it. We might do some little exercises or jumping jacks or bounce up and down or I might have them roll across the floor or sometimes I'll do a thing where I'll say run through the house and touch every door, touch every doorknob and they run through the house and they touch every doorknob and they come back. It's just something to get them totally distracted, get them moving and then when they come back they can focus better. So if you're a morning person and you can get the kids moving early, do that. If your body and focus are in the best, do it in the morning. You'll have a better time teaching. But if your body moves better later, do it later. There's also no rule stating that kids have to learn at desks or even at tables. Is your mind blown? I know. They can sit on the floor. They can sit on their bed. If I'm having a bad day, I have my kids bring their books into my bed and we sit here and we do school on my bed. You can make it a pajama party. You can do anything you want. I will tell you what, I had one daughter who liked to do headstands leaning on the back of the couch and do her schoolwork that way. Personally, I could never do school like that. But for her, it would help her focus. She would do it several times during the day. At first, I told her she couldn't. But then I realized when she did it, it made her better. Now, if you have a child who tries that, and then they turn that into being distracted and not getting their stuff done, obviously, that's not what's going to work. So don't let them get away with sassy things. But if you find something like that that works for them, let them do it. Okay. Also, please schedule in social time. Put it into your schedule so everyone knows what hap- what's happening because right now it may be through video chat, but you all need to keep those connections going. So yes, 
we homeschoolers do have friends and we get together a lot more than people think we do because we usually have field trips, park days, learning events, sports teams, co-ops, tutorials, rec center classes, library activities, and more to keep us moving and social. So our kids are really missing out on that too. And those video chat calls with their friends are really helping fill in that gap. Tip number five is start. Just start. Start doing something new. Start trying different things. You'll figure out fast what works and what doesn't. If things aren't working for you very well right now, be willing to listen and really listen to your kids. Sometimes we think we're listening, but we're not. Look them in the eyeballs, focus on what they're saying. They can help you figure out how to make this work better. They're going to get an education and you're going to be a good teacher. It's just going to take a little bit. And even for me, I've been doing this, like I said, for 20 years, but every year is a little different. Every month is a little different. I'm constantly having to tweak things and change things depending on the season and the mood and what's happening outside our house and what's happening inside our family, how I'm feeling, how my husband's income is like, it just, it all depends and just be willing to roll with it. It's okay. Tip six, keep them moving. So play. I'm not talking about on tablets or screens of of any kind. They're going to want that time too. But what I'm talking about is have your child play. Even teens. I know that sounds silly. They can play cards. They can play board games. They can draw, journal, anything creative that tickles their fancy. But kids need downtime. And sometimes we parents get so caught up in what has to be done, we forget to let them be kids. If you don't do your schoolwork, you don't get to play today. But what happens is it's like when they take away recess in school, it just builds up all this frustration and resentment resentment and energy. It's going to come out somehow. Let it come out in a positive way. Helpful hint here about screen time, screen like phones, tablets, computers, iPads, whatever. I use my kids' time on tablets as motivation to get their schoolwork and jobs done. If they learn that they don't get any screens until all their work is finished, their job is easier and your job will be easier. Trust me, anything that they want to do, almost anything they want to do is tied to something that they have to do. So my kid wants an extra hour to watch a movie. They're doing something in return. Because if I say, here's five things I want you to do today, do them at your own convenience. They are not ever going to get done, are they? But if I say, here's the five things I need you to do today, and when that's done, you have two hours to do absolutely everything, anything you want, within reason, we know what the rules are, they'll get those five things done a lot quicker. So there's nothing wrong with a little motivation. You could call it bribery. You could call it motivation. Whatever works for you, that's how I get things done. And exercise. Trust me when I tell you, If you don't get those little bodies moving, you will all go stir crazy. They need to move. Find something physical they can do. If you've got a yard, use it every day you can. Ship them out there for an hour and let them find things to do. Put them out there with a box. Put them out there with a shovel. Well, maybe not if you don't want huge holes in your yard. Give them a sheet. Tell them to build a tent. Tell them to figure something out. They can figure out something to do. They're going to whine and cry and be fussy sometimes because they want to come in. But as long as it's not raining or too hot or whatever send them outside and make them figure it out. If you don't have a yard, watch a yoga video on YouTube. You'd be surprised how much little kids love yoga. It really freaks me out, but they love it. Okay. 
you have an old Wii, set the old Wii up. Let them do video games that involve moving. Or you can be the kid's exercise instructor. Did you do some sort of weird aerobics thing or something in school that you could teach them? It doesn't have to be perfect. Oh, big hint here. Good enough is the new perfect. You need to remember that. There's going to be a whole episode about that coming down the pipe. Um, You're going to have to let go of that perfection, girl, because when you're all in the house together, not a lot's going to be perfect. All right. You might also try letting them move while they do school. Sometimes there's actually these things that we have called wiggle seats. They're little round things and they can sit on them and bounce while they do schoolwork. Have them, if they start getting real antsy, stand up and do their schoolwork. You know, like adults stand at those stand-up desks. You can have them do school in different rooms for each subject to change it up. Um, Have them sit on the floor, have them do fidgets. There's all different kinds of things. Take your cue from your kids. If you see that there's something fidgety that they're doing that's just distracting and they're doing it to be manipulative and get out of doing work, stop that. Don't let that continue. But if it's legitimately helping, let it help. Tip seven, treasure this time. Okay. Do you remember when you were eagerly awaiting this child's arrival? Remember how excited you were for them to be born so you could meet them? Have things gotten so crazy in your life that you've lost the excitement of just being with your child? The excitement of first steps, potty training, just watching them eat. Remember how excited you were when they ate their first big foods and did all those things? And now you're like, ugh, eating, it's feeding them. It's just a chore, right? But you can get back to that passion. It's gotten replaced by frustration with messy houses, crazy schedules, and the busyness that's taken over our lives and kept us frantic. This quiet, strange new time that we have, take it as an opportunity to rekindle that special love for your kids. Try viewing this time as a gift and not an inconvenience. They will thank you for it, and your time will be much more enjoyable. Tell them often how well they're doing and how much you love them. You are your child's superhero. No matter how much they might not act like it, no matter how they might talk to you or roll their eyes, you will always be their superhero. Even if they're a teenager and they're real sassy right now, you will always be that somewhere in their mind. My eight-year-old needs us to wake up, look him in the eye, hug him and tell them that we love him every morning. If we don't do that, he feels unloved during the day. We're very fortunate that he can communicate that thought to us. So try doing that for your kids. Bonus tip, don't allow yourself to feel guilty all the time. It's really easy to do, especially if you aren't feeling well, when you're not able to do all the things that you think everyone else is doing. Don't look at Instagram and Facebook and see all these amazing art projects and perfect looking things that other people are doing, because I guarantee you that behind closed doors, everything isn't as perfect as it looks online. The important thing is that you're doing the best that you can and make peace with that. Enjoy yourself. Things are going to be okay. Even moms who are totally healthy beat themselves up about not being perfect. We all need to stop and let ourselves have some peace. And your house might be a little messier than it was before, but now you've got everybody home all the time. Give yourself some grace and let some of that perfection go. 
Good enough is the new perfect. If you want some help about organizing, I've got a series on the podcast with Sarah Moore that's got some simple tips to keep your house up without stressing you and the kids out. I highly encourage you to check those out. Thank you for joining me this week. Be sure to check out hardymom.com where you'll find the show notes and a thorough article on homeschooling with links to everything you'll need to get started. Have a fabulous day and I look forward to talking with you next week. I'm here for you. Tips and tricks here that will help you. There's advice from experts and interviews. Find time to be with your kids and family. I can help you get it done easily. So premenopausal or postpartum, all stages of womanhood, girl, we've got them. I've been there, I've done that too, with a hearty mom podcast, yeah, I'm here for you.